Father, we thank you for this wonderful opportunity we have as your family to come together and worship our Father this morning. I thank you for the rich Word of God that I come to teach. I understand that I do not depend on my own limited abilities or understanding to teach today, but I am trusting completely in you. Therefore, I know without doubt that you anoint my mind that I might grasp a revelation that will rise in abundance from my heart within. Thank you for supernatural recall of the Scripture. And I believe that your word will flow from my mouth smoothly, accurately, clearly, without hindrance from anything, carried by your anointing, your power, and your love to every person's mind here and watching on TV and on social media. I thank your word will enter every person's mind, bringing understanding, removing confusion, that your word will enter every heart, bringing faith, dispelling every fear, for which we'll give you alone the praise, the honor, and the glory for all that's revealed and accomplished through your word and by your spirit here today in the wonderful matchless name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. My subject is titled, The Power of Praying in the Spirit. And this is part three in our little mini-series, The Power of Praying in the Spirit. <clears throat> Saying that there is power when I pray in the Spirit. Praise God. Now, we've been looking at several reasons why praying in the Spirit is important, and I haven't given to you in any particular order, but here is reason number four why praying in the Spirit is important. It is so, uh, it's important because it encourages us greatly. So that when I pray in the Spirit, it encourages me greatly. You see, if we don't pray in the Spirit on a daily basis, we will sense sadness, emptiness, and loneliness creep into our hearts, whether you are born again or not. If you don't pray daily, you'll sense sadness, emptiness, and loneliness creep into your heart. Just like we get hungry physically, so we get thirsty and hungry spiritually. The Word of God is like food to the spirit man. And praying in the spirit is like water to the spirit man. Now, if you get sad, empty, and lonely, that's no time to go to the pastor for prayer. Or go and see a counselor. Or go to the fridge and overeat. That's the time to get on your knees and pray and read the Bible. Then we will sense encouragement rising in our hearts from the Lord. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. We are talking about praying in our heavenly prayer language, our heavenly tongue. We are talking about speaking in any tongue, natural tongue, because talking in our natural home language doesn't edify ourselves. Some people do think that. If you watch them, they never stop talking. You think it's edifying them. I doubt it very much. But anyhow, 
This is talking about praying in the Spirit. Say that. When I speak in tongues, I'm edified. Now that word edified means encourage. Encourage. Put it up on the screen again. It says, watch this carefully now. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Does it say God edifies the person or does it say he edifies himself? I'm asking you a question, family. Does it say God edifies him or he edifies himself? Okay. It doesn't say God edifies you. It says we edify ourselves. We can determine, therefore, how much edification we need, how much encouragement, encouragement we need. And then you just continue praying until you are satisfied. Like drinking water. If you are really thirsty, you'll keep drinking until you've had enough and there's no more thirst left. Let me ask you a question here. I don't want to embarrass anybody who doesn't speak in tongues. But it'll help me to help you if you answer this question. Alright? So how many of you are filled with the Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Would you raise your hand and wave it at me? Please help me with this. I need your help. That appears to be about 80%. Okay. For those of you that do not speak in tongues, this is a gift from God. Just like salvation is a gift from God. Forgiveness is a gift from God. Being healed is a gift from God. Amen? Receiving this wonderful gift by the Holy Spirit, and you see it's the same Holy Spirit that you're born again by, that comes with a separate, a different gift for you and enables you to pray in this heavenly prayer language. All right? Now, today if a car battery runs down, gets flat, we toss it out and buy a new one. Back in the old days, if a battery was flat, run down, you'd take it to the garage and they would put on direct current charging it for 48 hours and off that you could put it back in your car and it'll start your car again. That battery was recharged. Our spirits need to be recharged every day. Every day. The anointing and the presence of God refills our hearts when we pray in tongues. We are charged with power as we pray in tongues and spend time reading the Bible. Here is a second scripture, a second witness to confirm that Jude 20, Jude 20, it says, You, beloved, building yourselves up, building yourselves up on your most holy faith. How? By praying in the Holy Spirit. By praying in the Holy Spirit. Or praying in other tongues. Now, it doesn't say increasing your faith. It doesn't say increasing your faith. Because faith doesn't come by praying in tongues. Faith comes by hearing 
and hearing what? The Word of God. We build ourselves up on the faith we already have in our hearts when we pray in tongues. The Holy Spirit gave me this idea to help folks understand this verse. Here's the idea. Question. Let's say a farmer planted two acres of corn seed. And then the rain came. How many acres of harvest would he expect to get? Two. There's not a trick question now. I'm asking you. If he plants two acres of corn seed, would he expect to get ten acres of harvest? How many would he expect? Two. Right. See how much we learn in church. Praise the Lord. Now then. He receives two acres of harvest because he planted two acres of seed, right? Likewise, according to the proportion or the amount of word you have put into your heart, that you have deposited into your heart in your lifetime, according to the proportion or the amount of the word of God that you have deposited into your heart in your lifetime, when the rain comes on your heart, what rain is that? It's the anointing of God as a result of praying in the Spirit. When the anointing comes on your heart, because you're praying in the Spirit, or worshipping in the Spirit, then we receive faith, or encouragement, or strength, according to the amount of word that's in your heart at the time you pray. For example, you can't expect to pray and receive four acres of faith rising in your heart if in your lifetime you've only planted two acres of faith in your heart. So if you've planted two acres of faith in your heart by reading the Word, meditating on the Word, when you pray in the Spirit, you're going to be encouraged and strengthened based on the two acres of word you've planted in your heart. You got it? That's what that's saying. It's not saying that faith comes. It's saying that you build yourself up on the faith you already have. Got it? Let's say this. It's important for me to pray in the Spirit. I thank God for the Holy Spirit. He helps me every way imaginable. He is my dearest and closest friend. That's so true. Learn, I'm learning to trust Him. I'm learning to depend on Him. I'm learning to know His ways. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You are God. You are with me now. You will never leave me. You will never forsake me. You will never abandon me. No tragedy will ever come my way without you warning me first. Say it with me, church. Say it with me. Say it with me. When I sense the need to pray, I will immediately heal to you because I understand you will either want to be protecting me or someone close to me or bring to pass the blessing of God into my life. 
So when I sense the need to pray, I will pray. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So all of that happens as a result of having a life of prayer in the Spirit. All right, reason number seven why praying is important, in the Spirit that is, it develops power with God. It develops power with God. In other words, it increases the anointing in our lives. It increases the anointing in our lives to minister to people and do whatever God has called you to do. Here's a scripture to confirm that, Mark 9, 25. Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to the spirit, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, <coughs> and he became as one dead, so that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast out the Spirit? And Jesus said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer. Now, some translations say and fasting. The original Greek does not say and fasting. It says by prayer. What's he saying? This kind does not come out except by prayer. What's he saying? Jesus is saying, there are some demons that will not come out without prayer. That means we need a greater anointing when it comes to casting out certain demons. And that anointing comes through time in prayer. So that when I spend time in prayer, a stronger anointing comes on me and drives out the demon. You see, here is a scripture to confirm that. We can prove what I just said, that the stronger anointing drives out the demon. I'll prove it. Isaiah 10, 27. Now this is prophesied by Isaiah many years before Jesus died on the cross. And he said, the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. So, a yoke was used by farmers to span oxen in together so they can plow the fields. And this yoke is heavy and restrictive. It makes it hard for the ox to walk. And if the ox had to live with the yoke on all the time, it would be weighed down, weighed down. So the farmer takes the yoke off when the day's work is done. Unfortunately, people meddle in things they should not meddle in, and demons get on them. The devil puts a yoke on them. But this yoke can be destroyed by the anointing. And this yoke can represent many different things. All right, folks get meddling where they shouldn't. And this yoke could be, for example, family problems could come caused by demons. Business problems could come caused by demons. 
Health problems could come, caused by our demons. And financial problems, many problems, any problem can come caused by our demons. And the devil is very creative in that area. So, now, during celebration, I taught a little message on one of the afternoons titled, Where Do Problems Come From? I encourage you to get that. It's a 45-minute message. But I'm just going to give you a three-minute message extract from that, talking about problems, where they come from. Number one, the devil causes problems to steal the word of God from your heart. You can see that in Mark chapter 4, verse 14 through 17. The devil comes immediately to steal the word out of our hearts. And how does he do it? With problems. With problems. When folks are weighed down with problems, they can't read their Bible. They can't go to church because they are being distracted by problems. They have to attend to these problems. And the devil brings these problems to steal the word of God out of our life. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And if we have no faith, we have no shield to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. If we have no faith, we can't even be saved. If you have no faith, it's impossible to please God. If you have no faith, you have no authority over demons. If you have no faith, God can't answer your prayer. So Satan knows if he can take your faith away, he can control your life. See, the Bible said, fight the good fight of faith. Have you ever read that? Some folks read fight and they close their Bibles. They've been fighting ever since. It said, fight the good fight of faith, right? What's that about? That means put the word in your heart. Satan's trying to take it out. You've got to fight to put it in. Fight to read the Bible. Fight to come to church. Fight to get the word. Fight to go to Bible school. Fight to keep the word in your heart because Satan's trying to take it out. It's a fight to control your life and you can control his when the word's in you. That's the good fight. The fight is over the word of God. Who's going to keep it? You or the devil? The devil knows something about the value of the word of God that many Christians still have to learn. Are you tracking me, church? All right. Number two. All we, all, um, all we do by making wrong choices instead of waiting on God, we make wrong decisions that opens the door for the devil to bring problems in our life. You know, if you take your kids to go live in another city when God's called you here, for example, now your kids are supposed to marry Fred Bloggs and Joe Soap. And God has a plan for your two daughters. And there's two men. But now we go and live in another city without even praying about it. And instead of marrying Joe Soap and Fred Bloggs, they marry whoever. So now you've got grandkids that wasn't part of your destiny. And now you've got sons-in-law that weren't part of your destiny. We must understand the price of a decision. See, now, I don't have to fast and pray about what tie to put on this morning. But there are certain decisions. 
that we make that are destined to finding decisions you choose and it seals your destiny among our everyday decisions are some that are final and irreversible and we choose and the moment passes and we seal our destiny take ourselves right out of the will of God so that's number two second third by sowing bad seed Galatians 6 7 says God is not mocked whatever man sows that he shall also reap exactly what he sows amen remember Jacob went before his father Isaac to get his oldest brother's birthright blessing and he put his brother Esau's clothes on so when he went before his father was old and blind couldn't see he was lying in bed So he said, um, I'm Esau, I've come for the oldest birthright blessing. So he said, the voice doesn't sound like Esau, come here. And he said, smelt him. Oh, I can smell the bush on the clothes of Esau. And then he had hairy arms because he had his, his mother put skin of the animal on his arms. And he felt on years they hairy like Esau. And then he blessed him. And then he had to flee for his life. And he went to live with Uncle Laban in Ur the Chaldeans, Mesopotamia his mother's brother, to escape because his father, his brother Esau was going to kill him. So then he worked seven years to marry beautiful, beautiful Rachel, the young, beautiful sister. And the day came, and of course they didn't have any lights in those days. They lived in tents, right? So his father-in-law brings his bride to his tent in the dark of night. So he quickly gets into bed and he, he's loving Rachel the whole night and he wakes up in the morning and he sees this ugly duck, Leah. <laughs> the ugly duck, Leah. Oh, my, my, my. So his uncle Laban deceived him and said, we have to marry the older sister first. We can't marry the young one first. So now work another seven years and I'll give you Rachel. You see, listen carefully now. He went before his father was blind and couldn't see he was in bed and deceived his father. Then he got deceived. He couldn't see because it was dark and he's in bed too. He thought he had Rachel, but he had Leah. Why? Because you reap exactly what you sow. You can't blame God or even the devil for marrying the ugly duck. Naughty pastor. Okay. Now then. Say so the anointing breaks the yoke. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians 3.16 will confirm that as well. And God would grant you according to the riches of His grace to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in your inner man. That's the third witness. God strengthens your spirit. The spirit of man is strengthened by might. When we pray in the Spirit, praise the Lord. Reason number eight why praying in the Spirit is so important is it brings peace and refreshing to our hearts. Isaiah is prophesying this. We're going to read it. Many years before Jesus died on the cross, this is what the prophet said. Isaiah 28:11. For with stammering lips and another tongue, God will speak to His people. That's talking about praying in tongues. He didn't know what He's prophesying, obviously. 
For the stammering lips and other tongue, God will speak to his people. To whom he said, to whom God said, this is the rest. Praying in tongues is the rest with which you will cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing. Praise God. Say, praying in tongues brings my heart rest and refreshing. Now, how many of you have proved that to be true? You come home from work after a hard day at the office or whatever it is, and you close the door, sit in your chair and pray in tongues for a while, and you are refreshed. I've done that so many times. Passover happened on the day Jesus was crucified. And 50 days later was the day of Pentecost. The word Pentecost is a Greek word. It means 50th. So 50, the, the Holy Spirit waited for the 50th day. And then he came down into the upper room on Mount Zion in Jerusalem and filled the 120 followers of Jesus. And they all spoke in tongues. Because Jesus said to them, do not leave Jerusalem. Wait here, tarry, until you receive the power of God. And so they went in this upper room and they waited there for 50 days, however long they waited. And the Spirit of God came down and filled the whole crowd, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, was in that group. You can see that in Acts 1. So, that was the birth of the church. Every believer in Jesus was in that upper room, and there was 120 of them. The church was born that day, and they all spoke in tongues. The entire church spoke in tongues. The initiation of the church, they all spoke in tongues. They were all Jews. Now, 10 years later, in Acts chapter 10, an angel comes to Cornelius, a Roman centurion, He's not a Jew. He's a Gentile. That means anybody who's not a Jew is a Gentile. And the angel said, send for Peter. He'll tell you how to get saved. So Peter comes to visit Cornelius. And Cornelius invites all his family and friends, a whole big crowd waiting for Peter. Now these are all Gentiles, not Jews. And Peter comes and he begins to preach to them about Jesus. And while he's still preaching, didn't give an altar call. They all accepted Jesus as their Savior. And they all got full of the Holy Ghost. And they all spoke in tongues out aloud, the whole group. While Peter's still preaching, the Holy Ghost said, Hey, I can't wait for you. You're taking too long with this sermon. Full and more of the Holy Ghost. So he has, this is now the initiation. This is the beginning of the Gentiles or being filled the Holy Ghost. And that was the birth of the Gentile Christian community. And they all spoke in tongues. Just the same as the Jews did in Acts 2. They all spoke in tongues. I'm saying this because I'm trying to help us understand that if the church began that way, God wants it to continue that way. And this is for everybody. This is not for some. This great blessing, I could not do without it. Could not. Now, as the 120 folk come pouring out of the upper room in Jerusalem, down the streets, it's the time of Pentecost, there's a great feast for people coming from all over the world to be there. 
And uh, the 120 come out, and they're all speaking in tongues, and they're all overcome by the Spirit of God, and they look like they're drunk because they're in the Spirit, you see. And so 5,000 people gather around, stop, and watch the 120. They're behaving so strangely. If God opens all their ears to understand, they're praising God, and they can all understand what they're all saying in their own languages, wherever they come from. So then Peter gets up to preach them, and he says to these 5,000 people in Acts 3, verse 19, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. In other words, he's saying, Be filled with the Holy Spirit, that you may receive times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Hear me, child of God. When you spend time praying in tongues, you receive times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. I can't do without that. Can't do without that. Back in 1996, I was awakened at 2 o'clock in the morning with a terrible sadness in my heart a loneliness, a grief, a sorrow. It's so bad, it woke me up out of my sleep. And I was startled. I said, what is this, Lord? And I knew he's putting a burden in my heart to pray. Someone's going to die, and this is the experience I'm going to have after they die. I'm having a preview. God is showing me things to come. John 16, 13. So I'm having this experience as if somebody just died, okay, before they die. So I get up, I go downstairs. I didn't want to disturb my wife. And I, we've got a tiled floor, so I kneel on the floor. And I put my elbows on the chair. And I say, Holy Spirit, you want me to pray. Obviously, you put this burden in my heart to pray. So I yield to you now. Go ahead and pray. And as I said that, it was like I opened a fire hose. I just prayed out aloud with gushings. And I kept praying from 2 o'clock in the morning to 3 o'clock in the morning to 4 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock in the morning. About 5.30 I said, I, I sensed, 5.30 I sensed peace starting to come, this burden rolling away. I sensed joy starting to fill my heart. And then I said, Holy Spirit, what am I praying about? And I knew I'm praying for Jacques, our youth pastor. And um, so, then I felt like singing in the Spirit and just praising, worshiping God because I was so rejoicing because I knew this problem had been dealt with. So that's uh, 6 o'clock. I had some breakfast. And then I decided to go and have a workout. And uh, I got in my car and I was pulling out the garage into the driveway area. And all of a sudden, our gates open and in drives a car pulls up next to me, and it's Jacques, our youth pastor. He would come visit us any time he wanted to. He'd come and say hi to Natalie and Candace, and he was like a son in the house. So um, I said to him, Jacques, come here. Just come sit in my car. And I told him what happened last night. This is Friday now, Friday. So I said, this is what happened. I said, now, the devil's going to try and kill you right now, very soon. But do not be afraid. I've prayed through you will be protected. I'm just telling you this so you can keep an eye out and be alert to what might happen. He said, thank you. 
That is uh, Friday morning. Sunday night he's going after church. He drops somebody off at their house and he's going along the N3 freeway and he's going home. It's pouring with rain. You can hardly see where you're going. And for no reason at all, his car spins out and stalls facing the oncoming traffic on a three-lane freeway. And cars are flying by at 9.30 at night in the pouring rain. So instead of just turning the ignition to start the car, he turns the wheel all the way, gets out the car, and pushes it to the side of the road. Now cars are flying by him, just inches away from him, and they're splashing him with water. And he parks the car, gets inside it, starts it, it starts, and he drives home. And he phones me, tells me what happened. So I said, Jacques, weren't you afraid? This car's flying by at high speed in the freeway in the pouring rain, and you're there pushing the car, they fly right, right past you here. So he says, no, at the time, he said, I knew this was it. Satan's trying to kill me, but you prayed through God's angel, you know, I'm fine, I'll just push the car off the road. I was pushing off like I owned the freeway, you know. And then he says, but now that I'm home and I'm phoning you and talking to you, he says, my knees are having fellowship. I can't stop shaking. Praise the Lord. Now, you see, family, and I could tell you stories like that until tomorrow morning of how God's protected all my children, my wife, members of staff, and others by alerting me to pray for them and stop Satan's plan. But just the same way that you are giving birth to protection by praying in the Spirit, you can also be giving birth to God's plan for your future by praying in the Spirit. You see, the Bible tells us in Romans 8, 26, just focus on these words, He Himself makes an intercession for us. See that line in the middle? The Holy Spirit makes an intercession for us. Okay, that's by praying in the Spirit. Then go to verse 27. It says, We search our hearts by praying in the Spirit this way, as explained in verse 26. Know what the mind of the Holy Spirit is. Say this, when I pray in the Spirit, I know what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Because the Holy Spirit intercedes for me to bring about the will of God. Okay. Now, when you pray in tongues... God is bringing out, bringing His plan to pass for your life. Now, when you pray in tongues, there's two ways He can do that. One, He can carry you into His plan unconsciously. Or He can reveal it to you and you'll know what to do. Because He will know the mind of the Spirit when you pray in tongues. So when you pray in tongues, say this. I believe I understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. And keep praying. And every now and again, I believe I understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. And keep praying. Every now and again, I believe I understand what the Holy Spirit is saying to me. Because you have a promise there that you know the mind of the Spirit when you pray in tongues. He's revealing His plan, which He's praying about for you on your behalf. He's revealing it to you. Now, the next verse, 28, it says, And all things work together for good. All things work together for good. That's talking about the result of praying in tongues. 
For those who pray in tongues, everything works for good. In other words, God can take any problem and fix it when you pray in tongues about it. God will give birth to blessing in your life. All that Jesus bought for us on the cross, God can bring to your life when you pray in tongues. You see that? And then he goes ahead of you, prepares your way. He arranges people, circumstances, financial provision for you to be able to carry out the purpose of God for your life. He's not going to send you on a mission without the provision. So praying in tongues is an essential ingredient or component of carrying out the will of God for your life. You can't do it. Now when you pray in tongues, you are giving birth to God's plan for your life. So that when I pray in tongues, I'm giving birth to God's blessing and purpose for my life. Praise God. Now with that in mind, go to 2 Chronicles 7.14 as I look for a place to land here. You got it? Watch this. If my people who are called by my name, that's you and me, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and I'll heal their land. I'll heal their land. God can fix South Africa. Now hear me carefully now, church. Nothing can fix this country. It's the Titanic. It's hit the iceberg. And it's sinking. Listen carefully here. Some folks are trying to do something. They're just rearranging the furniture on the deck. That's all they're doing. The only thing that can fix that hole in the front of the Titanic caused by the iceberg is the Holy Ghost. When you pray in tongues for South Africa, God will fix South Africa. As sure as God made little apples, He will fix South Africa. Now, this is what I'm proposing. This is what I'm proposing. I'm proposing that churches all over the country have prayer groups, especially to pray for South Africa, and church together, coming together in the church prayer meeting once a week. Once a week, go to a prayer group, everybody, not some, everybody. Either in your, your house, we've got 109 prayer groups. We started a whole bunch last night more. We've got prayer groups if you phone the office or go online, look at our website, you'll find a prayer group right near your house. And we're going to commission those prayer groups. And this is going to be the mission, okay? Here it is. Write this down. Giving birth to God's plan for South Africa prayer group. You got it? Write that down. Giving birth to God's plan for South Africa prayer group. And I encourage all churches around the country to start praying for South Africa that way, in prayer groups and in the church group as a whole. Now, at home, when you're praying for yourself and your family, that's different. You pray every day for your family. But once a week, make sure you pay the price, get out of your house, get in your car, go to a prayer group, and pray for South Africa. You can contribute to the successful turnaround of this nation. Your prayers are valuable. I appreciate what people have done by having 
everybody come together once a year for a great big prayer meeting. That's not going to do this. It's got to be continuous praying in tongues. In tongues. That's when the Holy Ghost can make it happen. Are you going to do this? If you do this, I promise you, you won't even recognize it. There'll be a revival in this nation. People will turn to Jesus. Corruption will be gone. Everything will change. And you can play a part of rescuing this nation. God wants this nation. He wants everybody to come to Jesus. He wants everybody saved. He wants this place to be a glorious place of peace, harmony, love, prosperity. And of course, use your faith and authority as you learned at celebration on, on um, More Than Conquerors.